What's up, guys? So let's talk some fantasy football. I'm going to give you some guys that I think you should sell high on. I'm going to give you some other guys that I think you should buy low on. And I'm going to give you some guys that I think you should hold on to. And the reason why you would just hold them is because I don't think you could get it's either one or the one extreme or the other. Either they're playing much better than the value you'd get in return, or uh, they're playing at a level where you're going to sell low, essentially. Like you, you're going to, you're not going to get what you deserve for them at this time. So you should just hold. So we'll start off with the buy low guys because I've got several guys on my buy low list here, and you know, look. The NFL is a game where is a league where you play one game every seven days, right? And then the other six days, we talk about that game. You know what I mean? So essentially, all of us fans, we sit here and we watch. Um, you know, let's say we watch. Uh, let's Devin Singletary is a guy on my list for the buy low, right? Now, am I going to tell you to buy Devin Singletary at the ADP price? No. That's why I'm saying buy low. But for, let me get back to my example. So we're talking about Devin Singletary and we're like, well, what do you have? 10 carries for 56 yards, I believe it was. So it's like that's our whole or our whole recognizance from Devin Singletary this week is that he, he didn't score, you know, very many points. Right. So it's like, uh, yeah, he, you know, only 10 or 12 touches or whatever it was. Um, I All I know is when I look at my point total next, the point total, fantasy point total next to his name it's not what I was hoping to get from him this week, right? And that, and then we just kind of dive into how, well, maybe they're going to be a passing offense now. They've passed it over 40 times in the, each of the first two weeks. Maybe Singletary and Moss are just going to be a committee and a low-volume running offense. And, you know, and the reason why we do – and the reason why we do these things is because it's one game every seven days, right? And especially, guys, we haven't had football – for eight months so when when it comes back and when we're watching the first week and the second week especially if you get back-to-back -back weeks like Singletary's given us with 10 10 points or less you're sitting there like okay I need to get rid of this guy because I'm gonna lose right I'm gonna lose my league and you know sometimes that's the right move but but I'm sorry I should rephrase sometimes maybe you should even consider not starting that guy next week right but i mean i i don't think that's the case with singletary but i think that a lot of times maybe sometimes we we, we want to just get rid of a guy but we're not thinking it through right we we're not actually trying to make our team better when we do that when we default into up oh, i got to get rid of singletary he sucks so now you tell your friend that's in your league right bro i'll give you singletary for somebody right but they're not they're going to offer you something that also sucks. So it's better to just sit tight. Wait a second. If you don't like him playing against the Rams next week, that's fine. Sit him on your bench. But but don't give him away for nothing, right? Because when we look at what he's actually done, let me just let me just provide some context here. I touched on in my previous podcast today about how the Bills are living off of their identity. Okay, so the previous two years that Sean McDermott's been there, three years, I think, that Sean McDermott has been there, they have been a run the ball 30 to 40 times per game type of team, right? So, so teams, when they game plan for the Bills coming into this season, they're like, hey, 
we need to load the box, stop the run, and you know that that's how we beat this team. So what the Bills have done to counteract that, which is very, very smart, similar to what we saw the Ravens do last week, and um, I mean, sorry, last year, it was they came out and they said, we know that you're not afraid of our passing game and that you're going to overly play our run game. So we're going to pass the ball 40 times. Our quarterback's going to throw over 700 yards and six touchdowns in the first two weeks. And now you're like, oh, shit, because I thought, just like most people, that when we see them play against the Dolphins, we'd see them say, okay, this team is clearly more equipped to defend our passing game than they are to defend our running game. And I think that's what Flores and his his coaching staff thought. And then they came into the game and they they're like, yeah, we'll run it a little bit, but we're going to be two two uh, two to one passing team. You know, <laughs> we're going to come out and and air it out. And they they were able to do it because look, let's face it, when you've got Stephon Diggs, he can get he can uncover against anybody. And they know, or they likely knew, that they were going to get some one on one chances. And look, Diggs did what he does: eight for what one thirty and a touchdown. So. That's awesome. I love the way that they're going about it. But here's where it all comes back down to fantasy, right? They are going to run the football. And Devin Singletary is playing 56 and 59% of the snaps in each of the first two weeks. Devin Singletary has the most carries on the team. I mean, Allen might have more, but I don't uh, out of the running back, Singletary's got the most. So when we look at it, what I believe is happening is Josh Allen is, errant, you know, they're, they're, kind of putting their foot on the gas pedal because they know that right now the way that teams are playing them it favors them number one it favors them right now in terms of just what they can get away with passing because they have the matchups that they want because teams are worried about that running game number two they want to they don't want teams to be able to stack the box against them they want to make it very clear that if you stack the box against us, we will hurt you with our passing game down the football field too. Not just little stuff, but but shot plays and deep to intermediate down the football field pass plays. And what that's going to do is that's going to force teams to play two high safeties. And when they do that, Buffalo Bill run game will come back. Devin Singletary will be getting 15 plus carries per game. Zach Moss will be getting 8 to 12, maybe 15 carries per game. Uh, Josh Allen will as well and they'll also be the passing game will be efficient um, you know even more efficient when that happens but I think it will be less volume similar to what we see with the Baltimore Ravens right they're not a they're not a 40 pass plays per game offense but what they are is a dangerous dangerous passing game because of their run game I think we are slowly watching the evolution of the Bills offense and and that a lot of that has to do with the fact that their quarterback now is in his third year the coaching staff trusts him to put it in his hands and just let him go win a few games with his arm to show teams back the up right and what that's going to do very soon maybe even starting next week is going to show is going to be it's going to it's going to open up some running lanes. So they're they're basically passing to set up a run like you would say in a during a football game, but they're doing it over the course of two, maybe even more games to kind of back you up. And now when you're backed up and you're playing two high safeties, they're going to run it right down your throat. So now it's going to be a pick your poison type of thing. And the Bills offense, in my opinion, is going to be one that 
you don't want to play against because there's no weakness. You know, they, they can run it at will and they can pass it at will. So however you play them is what they'll do the opposite of. And um, so that's why I think that you should buy Singletary because first of all, Zach Moss didn't see any, any targets last week in the passing game. Singletary saw four um, and Singletary, you know, he's the lead back in a good offense and potentially a great offense, right? So it's a really an incredible switch from what we saw from them last year, which was carried by the defense offense was bottom tier to now we see, well, this offense looks to be a top five unit, at least so far. And when you have the lead back in that unit on a team that we know it's truly in their identity to run the ball. Well, I think I'm optimistic that Devin Singletary will at least return value on his original ADP. And now the best part about this is you can get him for even less than that, you know, so that that's cool. I think you could get, let's say you have several receivers, right? You, you could throw, I don't know, somebody like, or I'm not even going to give you an example because it, it's too hard to try and find an accurate one. But point being, you can get him, I think, now for what would be the equivalent of a seventh round, eighth round ADP. And that is a huge, huge value. And that's what we need to be trying to do is, is accumulate um, players at a profit, so to speak, of what their ADP was to what it is now. And uh, yeah, Singletary is one guy that I think you can do that with. So Tyler Boyd is another one. Uh, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on Boyd because he had a pretty big game last week, caught seven of eight targets for 72 yards and a touchdown and um, was very, very close to having another uh, second touchdown. But Burrow threw it just maybe a little bit out of reach. And uh, Boyd probably still should have caught that one. But even still, um, he had seven of eight for 80, uh, 72 yards and a touchdown. So a very good game. But I think because that was on Thursday and because like he had only, I think, four catches for like 30 yards in week one, I think that maybe, just maybe, because a lot of Tyler Boyd owners benched him in week two. So they didn't even get the full placebo effect of, um, of him actually scoring, uh, you know, having a good week. So in a weird way, I think you may still be able to buy a little bit low on him. And anybody that I'm talking about, when I say buy low, if you guys want specific examples, just DM me and um, we'll go through those examples like based on your exact roster. So just so you know, just D if you're if you're like, okay, how do I buy low? Just DM me in it and we'll we'll talk about that very as it pertains to you specifically. So uh, moving on. All right, Kenyon Drake is one of my favorite buy low candidates. And um, look, man, Drake. I know he's not scoring a lot of points. I have him in a couple leagues, right? And I, and obviously, I'm a little bit bummed out. I'm 0-2. Um, but he is averaging 20 touches per game. And yesterday, he saw 20 carries. So we need to understand that fantasy is so weird and so fickle, right, because of the way the scoring is set up in most leagues, where Kenyon Drake in week one had a touchdown, but only like 15 carries and you know didn't have a lot of yardage yesterday he had 20 carries um not many yards and not touchdowns but if he would have scored a touchdown yesterday his points would have went from like 11 to 17 or something like that you know 18 so that's where things get a little weird right like for example melvin gordon had 19 carries for 70 yards and a touchdown so we're like, oh, yeah, we're happy with him because he had about 16 points in PPR. But when we look at Drake, we're like, oh, man, you only had 11. You know, same thing with Singletary. 
Like, oh, and let me add some context to the whole Singletary thing. Um, Kareem Hunt has 29 touches through the first two games. Devin Singletary has 26. Kareem Hunt is the RB8 in half PPR. Okay, so that's like when you get a, a touchdown here and there, which there will be plenty to go around by the looks of it in Buffalo and potentially by the looks of it as the season progresses in Cincinnati um, and in Arizona. So these are all pretty good offenses or at least offenses that are going to score points, right? Like we can consistently count on three touchdowns every week, you know, four touchdowns some weeks from these offenses. And I think that's another reason that we should be looking at guys like this. So, so far on my buy low list, we got Singletary, Tyler Boyd, Kenyon Drake, and then another guy, Miles Sanders. Dude, you would be surprised at the amount of Miles Sanders slander that I have been getting in regards to guys that are like, hey, bro, should I trade Miles Sanders for, you know, and it's like bad. Like some of the, like, should I trade Miles Sanders for Tyler Boyd? And I'm like, what? No, of course not, man. You should not do that. Um, and it's be, and it's really because people spent their first round pick on Sanders and then he didn't play week one. Right. And that just totally screwed everyone up. Like they're like, literally people are, are wanting out because of that. Then he comes in week two and he, t- and he k- runs the ball 20 times. So here's what we know. We know that Philadelphia, when they're healthy, offensive line they're a pretty good one we know so far that philly has not signed any veteran running back that will be a threat to take legitimate carries away from or touches away from miles sanders we know that miles sanders is a good pass catcher and we know that the philadelphia offense at this point has nowhere to go but up and we also know that in the very first game sanders carried the ball 20 times for 90 yards somewhere 95 yards somewhere in there so that's good, right? Those are all good things. But we also know that if you have 90 yards, that's nine points. So the Miles Sanders owner has seen only nine points through two games, and he's he's getting impatient, right, because that's his first-round pick. Strike while the iron's hot, man. Get Offer him, you know, I don't know, some, something like, let's say, third, fourth-round value, right? So now we can profit the difference there. And we can add a first round caliber player to our teams and it's only week two or coming into week three. All right. So and, and this one right here, uh, you're going to have to wait a week to, to buy low on him, David Johnson, because he is going into a game where it's not I'm not going to say it's impossible for him to have a good game against Pittsburgh. But in my opinion, they are one of the best offenses in the NFL. I mean, defenses in the NFL. So I think we need to be very careful about doing this trade too soon. Because I think that it would work to our advantage if David Johnson goes in and has another, you know, relatively crummy week in regards to the expectation we saw from him after week one or the David Johnson owner had for him after week one. So if we wait, if he has, let's just say, eight or nine points, right, against the Steelers this week, now we make our, we strike while the iron's hot. We, we offer him seventh, eighth round value for David Johnson, maybe even less. And then, from here, let me just tell you David Johnson's schedule after this coming week against the Steelers. He plays the Vikings, the Jaguars, the Titans, the Packers, the Jaguars, the Browns, the Patriots, the Lions, Colts, Bears, Colts, Bengals, Titans. So none of those matchups are scary. You know, and, and I think the Texans have a legitimate chance to win 
every one of those games. I'm not saying they're going to win all of them, but they've, they'll be right there in those games. So if they start 0-3, and then we have some faith in the fact that Deshaun Watson is not going to finish less than 7-9, that means they'll win seven out of their next, you know, they'll, they'll finish seven and six or maybe even eight and five down the stretch. And that means that likely David Johnson will have a much bigger workload. And because clearly guys, we've established intent with what we saw from him in week one. And uh, while the game was close and then what, and then just the fact that we also know they traded Deandre Hopkins for David Johnson, essentially. So I am pretty excited about, buying David Johnson at a good value, assuming he does what he's supposed to do, wink, wink, and has a only meh, meh week against the Steelers. So the lower he go, I mean, the, the lower his, his point output is this week against the Steelers, the lower our offer is, and the David Johnson owner is going to be grateful to get an offer at that point because he's going to be frustrated. He knows his guy is, is not performing up to um, the standards that he wants him to be. So I think we'll get him at a pretty solid value. All right. Um, another guy, David Montgomery. I touched on him in my podcast about the week two recap earlier today. Uh, look, man, David Montgomery looked really, really good. And he had a good game uh, and he, even a good fantasy game. But I think that people are, are still I, I just – the, my overall feeling on Montgomery is that we can still have him at a value because I don't think people are expecting the type of output from him moving forward that I actually am. Because he, he averaged over five yards a carry against the Giants. In the four-minute offense, he was damn near unstoppable. Um, and he had 19 touches for 127 yards and a touchdown, averaged five yards per carry. He was really good. Guys, this guy was my RB1 coming out of uh, or heading into last year's draft. I liked him more than Josh Jacobs. I liked him more than Miles Sanders. I liked him more than Devin Singletary. And from what I saw yesterday, and I watched a lot of that game, Giants and Bears game, um, what I saw yesterday was I saw David Montgomery, the one that I watched tape of leading up to the draft. He was more explosive. He was quicker. He was more agile. He was more powerful. He was playing faster because he he has a year of experience under his belt. So uh, Montgomery's averaging five yards to carry for this season so far in these two games. I think that he's going to be a 60-plus percent uh, snap owner in that backfield. And I think that he's going to be – you can potentially buy him at a pretty solid value right now because <clears throat> I think even his ADP was a good value. And at this point in the season, after two games, I'm more convinced of that. So I think that – um. Yeah, I think that's good. And then another guy that I know some people are probably frustrated with this guy, and hence why you should buy low on him, is uh, Joe Mixon. Look, Joe Mixon, man, I I'm still really high on Mixon because the work, the workload is there. It's not as much as I want it to be, but I think that it will grow because they're going to have 10 days to sit there and think about the fact that they allowed their rookie quarterback to throw 61 passes in his second career game. And the kid didn't average five yards per attempt. So I think they're going to know when they look at that and they have these extra few days to really think about it. I think we'll see a lot more from Joe Mixon, especially in week three. And I think you can get him at a good value right now because the Mixon owner is frustrated. He saw this whole thing play out last year. You know, he's not, he's not happy right now. So Joe Mixon, I'd, I'd offer something, you know, low for him and I think you can get him 
And uh, okay, guys, I would sell high on. Stefan Diggs is one. Okay, why? Is it because Stefan Diggs is not that good? Of course not. Stefan Diggs is awesome, one of the best players in the NFL at his position. Um, but I think that we will see a little less volume moving forward in the passing game. So there will be a little less, you know, to 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 catch moving forward. Um, and I just I, I still think he's gonna be good, right? I think he'd be a very good um, fantasy player for you, but I don't think he's gonna be a wide receiver one. And at, at this time, you may be able to get wide receiver one value in return or high-end wide receiver two um, like value in return. So from that regard, I would I would look to I'd be interested. I'm not I'm not going out of my way trying to to get rid of Stefan Diggs. But if I can sell him at enough value, I, I would happily do that right now. <clears throat> um, another guy is Aaron Rodgers. So Rodgers and and dude, think about it like this, guys. You if you have Aaron Rodgers on your team right now, you drafted him in like the tenth round, right? Ninth round, eleventh round, somewhere in there. So week one against Minnesota, which is what everybody wants to remember, right? He had uh, 32 out of 44 passing with 73% completion, 8.3 yards per attempt, 364 yards, four touchdowns, zero picks. And then, so we're riding that high because Rodgers has such a big fan base and following and name brand um, that like people are, you know, oh, because now we see also that, that his team scored over 40 points against the Lions uh, just yesterday. So against the Lions, however, he was 18 out of 30, only 60% completion. Eight yards per attempt, so still good there, but just 240 yards passing, two touchdowns, and zero interceptions. So when we look at Rodgers now, uh, doesn't that make you a little bit concerned if we're just looking at it objectively that he could sort of revert back to, I don't know, the Rodgers we've seen over the last two or three seasons straight? Like, I don't think we need to expect week one Rodgers. I think it's far more likely that we get week two Rodgers uh, moving forward. So I, I it, to me, quarterbacks being a dime a dozen, like you can start Teddy Bridgewater right now and he's probably on waivers and you can start him every week with confidence. Like he's going to give you, you know, he's not going to give you the ceiling of Rodgers in week one, but he's going to give you a pretty steady floor and a really good offense. It's going to be playing from behind. Um, so if you can get any kind of flex value or high end flex value for Rodgers, I would love to do that. Like if you could trade Rodgers right now for Kareem Hunt, I mean, my God, I, I would do that in a heartbeat. So, um, all right. Another guy I would sell high on is Melvin Gordon. Like, look, he's not an efficient ball carrier in terms of yards per carry. Like the Chargers are legitimately starting. A, I mean, they're, they're playing a lot of a rookie fourth round pick, John Kelly. I'm sorry, Josh Kelly. And he looks better than Melvin Gordon did in that offense. And I'm not saying he is better than Gordon, especially in pass catching area. But um, Gordon yesterday against Pittsburgh had 19 carries for 70 yards, 3.8 yards per carry um, did get in the end zone. So his, his point totals each of the last two weeks have been high. Okay. But what happens when Philip Lindsay comes back? Because I promise you this, Philip Lindsay's going to outplay him on a per touch basis. Philip Lindsay is going to pr produce more. And I believe that backfield will get more and more of a 55, 45 workload split. And I think that, at that time, so let's say that happens, right? Now, six or seven weeks from now, you're trying to trade him. You're not going to get anything because he's a flex option. That's all Melvin Gordon. In my opinion, he's a high-end flex. So if you can get a solid two, like if you could trade him for Mike Evans right now, I would do that in a heartbeat as long as you have decent depth at running back. But 
don't know. That's just my thoughts on him. I didn't love him coming into the season. And uh, yeah, I would I would do that. And then here's some guys I think we should hold tight on because like I was saying earlier at the beginning of this podcast, you can't get adequate value for them now. So you should just hold on. Um, James Robinson. Like yesterday I was offered in my home league, I was offered Tyler Boyd for James Robinson. I'm not going to do that, guys, because, well, it, that, I don't see how that actually makes me better, and that would actually only pollute my receiving group more because I have a lot of really good receivers. But, I mean, I have a lot of, like, solid receivers, so I'm not going to do that. And that just shows you right away why you should hold on to him because what happens if Robinson comes out this Thursday and puts up another 100 yards and a touchdown? Like, now we're looking at I, – I had a reply on my Twitter account today that uh, somebody said to me, Robinson's RB2 the rest of the season. And I'm not even disagreeing with that guy. But that – you're not going to fetch RB2 value from him right now in a trade, and he may be an RB2 the rest of the way. So let's be patient and wait and see what happens here um, with James Robinson moving forward because I don't think you can hurt yourself by doing that. I think that you can only improve your stock – um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, look, I'm a believer in his talent, so I, I think that he'll be fine moving forward anyways. Um, CD lamb, look, CD lamb is, is still only the third best receiver on his team in terms of just, I mean, that's where he's at in his development, but he had another hundred, he had a hundred yard game yesterday and was the leading, was the leading receiver for Dallas. You're not going to fetch what you get in return. Uh, for, you're not going to you're not going to get the proper value unless you do. Like if you do get what you feel is the proper value, which would be a wide receiver two or running back two in return for one of these guys. Then so then do it. Right. But I wouldn't. So <clears throat> TJ Hawkinson, I'm holding him. Mike Gesicki, I'm holding him for sure, because Hawkinson and Gesicki could easily finish his top five tight ends. Hold them. Robbie Anderson is a guy that I admittedly was probably wrong on. Like, I didn't think much of him. Um, I thought he'd be a boom bust, like deep threat guy, but he's actually proving to clearly be the best, uh, second best wide receiver, second best wide receiver on that team. And I think he's ahead of Curtis Samuel in that regard. So I think we need to wait and see. He's at over 100 yards in each of the first two games. I don't think he's going to continue that type of pace, but I do think he is. We just need to wait and see what he is. So um julian edelman is a guy again that we're gonna hold wait and see because this dude just had his career high in receiving yards in a game and so far this season he's averaging 18 yards per catch not bad for a seventh or eighth round value there guys not bad at all one of my favorite value picks in the entire draft as a matter of fact so i'm happy to see edelman panning out for guys that listened to me and, and drafted him um right now unless the public all of a sudden had a huge change of heart over Edelman last night, which they will to some level, but I don't think they'll be in any hurry to give you some, you know, something like a value for him of real value, because I think he's a wide receiver one guys. I, I think he's a low end wide receiver one to high end wide receiver two, probably more like high end two, but look, you're not going to get that in, in return for him right now. So I, I just think we should wait and see because when we look at that Patriots receiving core and we, we understand that Cam Newton is balling right now, Cam Newton is passing the ball. Well, he's, he's Cam looks like himself. And, and some of those deep down the field passes to Edelman were just perfect. Like I couldn't, man, they were perfectly thrown balls and Edelman made some great catches too. So I just think that with him being, like head and shoulders, the number one receiver on that roster. Um, 
in a competent passing offense, especially because what Cam Newton brings to that running game, that creates lanes and that creates open space in the back end, in the intermediate and deep short areas for the passing game. So um, I would definitely hold Edelman for now. And uh, basically, if anything, when you, you got Edelman in the sixth, seventh, eighth round. So the good thing is what that affords you to do is probably to package your fifth and sixth round pick and trade them for somebody's second round pick. You know, so that it really helps make your team better when you hit on a guy like Edelman that late, because especially if you know what to do with it. Right. And I think if you feel like your roster is full of guys that are typically that stay healthy, I think it'd be wise of you to, to try and, um, Try and make some package deals. Trade your trade your sixth and fifth round picks for some second and first round picks at this point. Let's get better. Um, every trade you make, every single trade you make should be a clear improvement for your team. Not to say it's screwing the other team over, but you can structure it in a way where your team gets better and their team gets better. But it has to be the only way you should make a trade is if it makes your team better, in your mind, better. So, um, as always, guys, hit me up in the DMs on Instagram. It's at FairShakeFootball. On, on Twitter, it's at FairShakeFB. Hit me up with, and uh, let me know if you need any help with anything fantasy-related. And please, in return, share the podcast. I love you. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace.